0: Pointing out the difference between the spiritual and carnal person, here's Pastor
1: Ed Taylor. The spiritual man leans not on their own understanding, but the carnal man leans on their own understanding. I've been trained. I've read that book. I've seen this a thousand times. You really haven't, because the Holy Spirit moves in new and wonderful, fresh ways. Notice verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That's the spiritual man. He'll direct your paths, God will, but if you don't acknowledge God, then he won't. Well, he won't direct your paths because you're not asking for him to direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Oh, hey, spiritual people, that's great, be humble. But for the carnal person living in the flesh, living by the energy of the flesh, you are wise in your own eyes. You do think of yourself more highly than you ought to. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing.
0: and welcome to Abounding Grace. Great to be with you as we continue our series in Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor. We sometimes think that our pastors or the apostles we read about in the Bible are super spiritual and couldn't possibly face the same struggles with the flesh as we do. But the reality is we all wrestle with the flesh and the struggle is real. There is a way to overcome, however, and we'll look into that today as we finish up Romans chapter 7. Here's Pastor Ed with part two of Even Paul Wrestled With His Flesh.
1: We're going to take what's going on in your life and apply the scriptures to your life, knowing that there is life in God's Word, and once God's Word gets into your life, then it explodes in a wonderful way, and God does great things. But I'll tell you what, it's a very big danger for us to think, well, especially those of you, you know, maybe you've counseled people and for many years, and then the person's coming in, you got the little card, you know what they're going through, and your conclusion is, I know exactly what's going on in their life. Let me just tell you, you have no idea what's going on in their life. They're unlike any other person that's walked through your path. They're like any other person that you've counseled. They're like any other person you've opened the word to, although because you've done it a few times, you're like, well, I already know. No, you don't. You don't know. And when you walk into that, well I already know, then you're not giving room for the Holy Spirit who is truly the counselor to minister through you. Think of it this way, I love this, because as someone's sitting across the table from me in in my office and we're counseling, we're opening the word, we're talking about the things of God, I love the moment when the face changes. I wait for that moment, I look for that moment. As we're talking, we're applying the scriptures, we're talking about what's going on in their life, and then their face changes. And you know what they're telling me by their face? The face is really telling me, how in the world did you know that? And I say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Except to say that the Holy Spirit got you, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Because when you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart, you're not leaning on your own understanding. Then you give room for the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to use you. The spiritual man leans not on their own understanding but the carnal man leans on their own understanding i've been trained i've read that book i've seen this a thousand times you really haven't because the holy spirit moves in new and wonderful fresh ways notice verse six in all your ways acknowledge him that's the spiritual man he'll direct your paths god will but if you don't acknowledge god then he won't well he won't direct your paths because you're not asking for him to direct your paths. don't be wise in your own eyes oh hey spiritual people that's great be humble But for the carnal person living in the flesh, living by the energy of the flesh, you are wise in your own eyes. You do think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And so back in chapter seven, Paul, he says, I'm a carnal man. Now don't think of it again as he's out partying and carnality, he's living in the energy of his flesh. He's battling with it. And he's a carnal man, and, and he knows the law is spiritual just like we do today. We love God's word. We know it's spiritual. We know it's life. We know every time we open it, God's going to use it in our life. It won't return to and void. It will accomplish the purposes for which it's been sent out. It's great. We know that. But there's this battle in my life. There's this struggle that sometimes the enemy can even get me to believe that I'm the only one going through it. The Pastor Ed, he never goes through it. The Marie, she never goes through it. That the leadership, the pastors, they never go through it. Billy Graham never goes through it. Not true. Even the Apostle Paul wrestled with his flesh. Let me just say this before we move on. If you're a person, Christian or non, living in this world, living for this world, living in the flesh, perhaps even some of you living for the flesh, let me tell you, I've been praying for you. We continue to pray for you. It's such a bad place to be. You don't want to live for this world. You don't want to live in the energy of your own flesh. You don't want to keep making excuses for all those things that come out of your mouth. You don't want to keep making excuses for that anger that I know you were born with it, but you know you were born again too, right? True? I hope so. You were born again. So you can't go back before born again and say, well, that's just the way I am in Jesus Christ. You're a new creation. And so when confronted with things, you know, for instance, maybe you're in my office and it's, Talking about your marriage, and, and you think the problem is, husband. Well, I just hear because she can't get my toast right. She keeps burning my toast. My counsel might be to you, why don't you get up and make your own toast? <laughs> a few of you women are like, yeah, <laughs> I like this church. Yeah. <laughs> but see, the toast may have nothing to do with it, it just may mean God's revealing some selfishness in your heart, a lack of a servant's heart. So you look at the symptoms and you think, well, that's just the symptoms, but in reality, God wants to get to the heart. And if you're living in the flesh, living for the flesh, we've been praying for you diligently. Just as I'm preparing this and looking at it this week, it's like, oh my goodness, Lord, how difficult it can be for people. For those of you that, this is what it feels like if you want me to describe it for you. You've got one foot in the world and you're enjoying that. You've got one foot in the church and you're enjoying that, but there's a problem, isn't there? There's a problem because you have too much of the Lord to be comfortable in the world. And you have too much of the world to be comfortable in the church. And you've got to decide, friends. Jesus said no one can serve two masters. Either you will love the one or hate the other. And so in the carnality that might be surfacing in your life, it's time to come to him and repent. I'll tell you, the carnality starts with this struggle. Look at verse 15. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand for what I will to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. Doesn't that sound so true? Doesn't it ring so true? I wanna do what's right, but I end up doing what's not right. Ever feel that way? Dieters. (laughs) I got the books and I got all the calculators and I'm so ready for it, I want to do but the ice cream was calling me, man. They said not to have any bread, but I had the whole loaf. And a few potatoes too, you know, Those non-carb diets, you know. I mean, oh, I do, I know what I want to do. I know what I desire, but what I'm doing in my life, I don't, and it happens spiritually too. I I really want to do the right thing. I really want to bless somebody. I really want to give. I I really want to serve, but I find myself not doing those things. He says in verse 16, I then, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. Mark that. We'll come back to it in a moment. In my flesh nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Paul would say to the Galatian churches, he would say, The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. The two are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And here he's describing it, not just for them out there, but he says, I want you to give you a peek in my own life because I struggle too, Paul says. I struggle greatly. And it's so true. These are the words we feel. These are the words that describe our life, how accurate God is in describing the wrestling that we have against the flesh. And by the way, the struggle and the wrestling is a good thing. It tells me there's spiritual life in you. Because some of you might be sitting here and say, you know what, what, Pastor Guy, I don't have any problem with sin. I don't know why you're talking about sin. I don't know, you know, this archaic book and why are you telling us about this and sin. I'll tell you, let me tell you why I'm telling you. Because we love you. And we want to see you delivered. We want to see you not destroy your life one decision at a time. We want to see you not come to the place where you utterly destroy not only yourself, but perhaps your family and everyone else that touches you. We love you. And in order to love someone, you need to tell them the truth. You need to hear the truth both believer and unbeliever alike. You need to be in a place where you understand that the problem is not with God. And the problem is not with his word or the law. You know where the problem is? Me, that's the problem. It's me. I'm the one in great need. God, he's perfect. His law is the epitome of perfection. The problem in the equation is not God and is not his law, it's me and it's sin and it's my attraction to sin and temptation. It's when I get involved in sin, that's the problem. Sin takes root and I'm done. It happens all too often. Paul, he describes this battle, this wrestling. And just understand, this is Paul the Apostle talking. This isn't just some believer. This isn't someone who just went down to Southlands with a pole and said, you know, do you ever struggle with things? Are you a believer? I mean, this is a guy that God used to write half of the New Testament. And he struggled with the flesh, with this inner battle. He says in verse 18, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Did you hear that? In your flesh, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. It's true. Flip over to John chapter six. Let me show you what I mean. Jesus said the same thing. John chapter six. This is where you can write. If you like to write in your Bible, you know how sometimes you'll be looking on the shelf for a Bible and you want one with cross references? Do you know some of the best cross references you can have in your Bible are the ones that you write yourself? Are just going through in your devotion go, oh, this connects over here and this connects over there? So next to John chapter 6, verse 63, you can write right next to it, Romans chapter 7, verse 18. And then back in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, you can write right next to it, John chapter 6, verse 63. So the next time you're going through John or the next time you're going through Romans, you'll have these connections between what, what Paul said and what Jesus said because there are no contradictions in the scriptures, folks. Jesus is speaking the same thing that Paul's speaking, that Peter's speaking, that James is speaking because the Holy Spirit inspired and authored his word. So look at John chapter 6, verse 63. This is what Jesus had to say. It is the Spirit that gives life. Let's read this together. You ready? It's the Spirit that gives life the? Okay, let's do that one more time. You ready? It's the Spirit that gives life. True. It's true. Jesus said so. The flesh profits nothing. That Paul says, in my flesh, no good thing dwells. The words that I speak to you, Jesus says, they're spirit and they are life. The problem is, well, the problem really is we face this all the time. We don't believe it. We don't believe that in my flesh, no good thing dwells. There's something in us that says, wait a minute, isn't there just a little bit good in my flesh? I mean, just a little bit? Can't there be just a little bit good in my flesh? We think just a little bit of my efforts are good before the Lord. Just a little bit of my thinking is good, just a little. And you know that you've been leaning on and you and I know that we've been trusting and living in the flesh when you're disappointed in yourself. Whoa, you ever been disappointed in yourself? Why? Why were you disappointed? I'll tell you why. Because you were expecting more from your flesh. So I could do this, I can do it, yes, I could do it. And then when you stumbled and fell, you felt so bad and you were so disappointed. Let me just say that God wasn't disappointed with you. Neither is he disappointed in you. You see, with God, it's no surprise, your stumbles and your falterings. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God, he knows our frame that we are but dust. Have you ever been disappointed in dust? Never. God, he knows our frame. He's fashioned us. And we know that we've been leaning on the flesh when we're disappointed in ourselves, when we beat ourselves up over our mistakes, when we look at our life and go, oh, I could have done more. You know, you could have done more by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Oh, I wish I would have said that. Great, you could have said that. But now that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, go say it. Send the email. Make the phone call walk across the room after service and apologize to the person you've been avoiding. You get hot and upset with your kids this morning and you drop them off in Sunday school. Well, when you pick them up, say, you know what, kids, I love you. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? There's power in humility. God resists the proud, but what gives grace to the humble? Oh, we lean on our flesh far too much. We lean in it so much that Well, we begin to beat ourselves up. Look back at verse 15, at the end of verse 15, he says, but what I hate that I do. If you like to do things in your Bible, maybe circling things, you could circle the word hate and you could draw a line all the way down to chapter eight, verse one, to the word condemnation. Because I'll tell you what, the things that I hate that I do, You're like, I hate this. I wish I wouldn't have done this. And why did I do this? And and by the way, after Easter, we're going to get into Romans chapter eight. So far, we're going to spend two full Sundays just on verse one because it's such a powerful truth. But I'll tell you, what happens is you begin to hate sin. And then you begin to hate the fact that you're doing some of those things. And that hate might even turn to be, you begin to hate yourself. You start beating yourself up. You start condemning yourself. You start getting down on yourself. And then it kind of spreads and everybody's getting down on you. But the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So just kind of look at that for the future. It's going to be really cool when we get to that. Nothing good in our flesh. There's nothing good in our flesh that dwells. Now, I'm not looking to be sinful, but it's the sinful tendencies of my habitual carnal self that keep dogging me. That, my friends, is the difference between a believer who's caught up in sin and a person who hasn't been born again because the person that hasn't been born again doesn't care. They're insensate to these feelings of conviction. But because you care, you feel it. Because you love Jesus, it's a struggle and it's a battle. And then he says in verse 24, Oh, wretched man that I am. (laughs) I mean, have you ever concluded that? Oh, man. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? This is a cry from the very depths of his heart. When I was a natural man, he says, the law buried me. When I became a believer, Paul says, I was under legalism. I wanna live rightly, but now there's a war that's flowing through my body. Who's gonna deliver me from this body of death? Do you know in Rome, during the time of Paul, they had very, very cruel punishments for those that committed capital crimes. One of them, of course, was what? Crucifixion. You were guilty of first degree murder, there was a good chance that you would be crucified, but if you were a Roman citizen, you wouldn't be crucified. Roman citizens weren't crucified, but there were other punishments they developed. One of them has to do with this body of death. It was common in the time of Paul during Rome during that time that if you were convicted of a capital crime, a first-degree murder, your punishment would be to be attached to a dead body that you would carry around with you. You would be crying out to be delivered from this body of death. And the reason they would attach that body to you is by the decay and the time of that, it would only be a matter of days before you yourself succumb to disease and death because of the body of death. And perhaps that's what Paul has in mind as he says, who's gonna deliver me from this? Who's going to deliver me from these struggles? Who's going to deliver me from this baggage I'm carrying around? Who's going to free me from these sinful tendencies attached to me? I mean, Paul says, I know it theologically. I understand it. I even know it personally, but it's so hard. It's so difficult. Notice the question that he asks in verse 24. He asks the question, who will deliver me? Too often we ask the question, how will I be delivered? How I be delivered from this body of the? How I be delivered from this baggage? How? Show me, Pastor. Ed, give me the 10 steps. I just want them. Give me 10. Give me three. Give me five. Give me some steps to follow. Give me some principles. Write it down for me. Give me a plan. Give me some processes, some procedures. But that's not where your deliverance comes from, friends. It's not in principles. It's not in policies. It's in who. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. You are delivered and free in Jesus Christ. One thing before we go. Because he says, I thank God, verse 25, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I still struggle, but I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ, he himself has delivered me. Listen, the victory in your struggles, the victory in your wrestlings, The victory in your marriage, the victory in your attitude towards your boss or your employees or your kids or your in-laws, the victory, victory is a gift of God for you to receive. Did you hear that? As much as salvation is a gift from God for you to receive, the the Bible says that victory is also a gift to receive by faith in Jesus Christ. Victory doesn't come by trying to work it up. Victory doesn't come by trying to read it up or study it up or to try real hard or, you know, Pastor, I'm going to get up and I'm going to try real hard. I'm going to try real hard. But the Bible says that victory is already yours by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift to receive, not a work that we somehow drum up in our lives. Let me show you before we leave. Flip over to Romans chapter 8. It's one page for you. Verse 37. Victory is a gift. As much as salvation is a gift, victory is a gift. Romans chapter eight, look at verse 37 with me. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Did you hear that? More than conquerors. You're not just a conqueror. By faith in Jesus Christ, you're more than a conqueror. Well, wait a minute, Ed. I don't understand this whole gift thing and victory is a gift. I thought I need to really fight real hard. I thought I need to put my dukes up. Okay, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. To be exact, a few pages over to the right, victory, conquerors. Oh, God is so good. It's not by programs and policies, church. It's not by plans and principles that guide us through and guide us to victory. We don't experience victory by fighting for it. Instead, we enjoy victory by faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 57, chapter 15. But thanks be to God who what? gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ (laughs) isn't that great god gives us the victory no more excuses no more justifications in jesus christ victory is yours to live for jesus in these last days affecting our world not allowing the world to affect us jesus said we live in this world but not this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. One more. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I pray these things sink deep down into your heart. Those of you who have been struggling, those of you who have been beating yourself up, those of you who said, oh, I shouldn't have clicked that on the internet. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have argued that way. I shouldn't have done that. Listen, victory is yours. Let the Holy Spirit get you up and dust you off and send you on your way in victory. The Bible says, though a man falls seven times, you know what? He will rise again look at 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place so what does God do he always leads us in triumph in Christ the victory in the struggle today folks is already yours by faith in Jesus Christ take it and live by it by faith it's good news and bad news isn't it good news is victory is yours the bad news is no more excuses (laughs) can't hide behind it anymore in jesus christ you're a new creation he's given you victory that you haven't even walked in yet he's given you the strength to overcome day by day well well but ed i've struggled with it for 50 years for 30 years what am i going to do today you're going to live by faith today what about tomorrow? Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today is sufficient. The needs of today is sufficient. You just lay your life before Jesus Christ today, even as you are right now, church, with open hearts and open minds. Jesus, I am yours. I want more of you in my life. I desire to live by faith. I desire to serve you. I desire all that you have for me, Lord, because I realize even the Apostle Paul struggled with his flesh. And I realized even my own pastor wrestles with the flesh. And I realized the leadership of our, I realize everyone around the church struggles with the flesh. But I also realize that my struggle and my wrestling doesn't have to be perpetual because you've given me victory in Jesus. Isn't that great? You're listening to Abounding
0: Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of A Love Letter Life by Jeremy and Audrey Brodoff. In it, they share insights from their own journey toward marriage and encourage the reader to stop settling for convenient relationships. They offer perspective on male and female differences in dating and take on topics like purity, give some rules for fighting well, as well as some advice on how to pursue a love story that won't end. That's A Love Letter Life. Yours today for a gift of $25 or more. Call 877-30-GRACE and we'll rush a copy your way. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us to make that possible. Call 877-30-GRACE. Then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from Romans. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is
1: amazing grace.